Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. As we're back at it on this Saturday, we're always welcoming your real estate-related questions by phone and by text, as usual. Before we say hello, let's uh, give you those numbers, 651-989-9226. Text number is 81807. Good morning to you, Chris and Andy. I know you brought some friends with you. Good morning. Today, uh, can I ask how the week was? Now, we've had some varying weather conditions this week. Uh, that, mm-hmm. Did that affect uh, the business a little bit? Andrew, what do you think? You know, uh, I think it does, but it, it, it's uh, there's a lot of people who hit the first of the year, and they're, they want to get things rolling. They want to get, you know, that to-do, that house sold, that new house purchased, or at least a decision process sure. started. So I see a lot of online activity. We're starting to see a lot of... When the weather's not impeding the showings, we're seeing a real healthy um, amount of showings that are out there. It, it, even on some of our new construction stuff this last week, everything was really high So um, for quantity of showings, which is good. So that's, yeah. uh, when they get busy, everybody gets busy. Yeah, and things uh, – we've been um, – it's, it's been interesting because we've been doing a lot of things that are under 300000 lately. And um, it's, it's that craziness again of trying to you know get in there, get it written right away. Get it, uh, get it presented, and then it's the wait game because everyone's kind of waiting you out now. So it's a, uh, it's interesting. But some of the uh, sure. bigger stuff too, um, getting a lot more showings, getting a lot of second showings. So hopefully people are are, are ready to start moving. So how about newcomers in the business? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you guys as real estate agents still looking for uh, for newcomers? Oh, I sure, I sure am. I don't know about Chris. I don't know. I don't want I, realtors. No, no but you know what? I, I love people that are from other industries that try to get into real estate, that bring a fresh perspective. Sure. And then, you know, the biggest thing I'd say is if they have the work ethic where they actually are willing to put the effort in, the motivation is hard to teach, right? You can always teach the the other stuff to go with it, but the motivation is the the key thing there. And then people that love to service people. I always say the people that are in the service industry, the the actual bartenders, you know, servers, whatever, that do really well because they already have that right um, perspective on how to treat the client, you know, serve and uh, provide information. And and it, it works out well for some of those folks. Yeah, I think what people need to remember, though, when you do come into this industry, 
Um, you do have to keep working during the day, mm-hmm. and then usually you got to go with your clients at night. So, um, what do you, Chris? What do you think the hours. average ramp up time is for a, a new agent? I mean, what would you tell someone to allow? I mean, to if you had money in the bank, wage. yeah, to make to get on your feet and actually where you can actually say yes, say between two and three years. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, if you make it past a year, you know, half in, half out. That's what happens. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're they're transferring in and out all the time. So. Um, a lot of the time really you're doing well in real estate, year. you're about to get ready from your existing job because yeah. they're ready to fire you because you're <laughs> so focused people, on the new one. And I think, too, people have a hard time with, you know, even if you get in the business and you're, and you're lucky enough to maybe sell something in your first three months, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get paid till that closes. So you might not get paid until six months down the line. Well, which is also very nice for, like we've said this before, too, with new recruits that, you know, you sell new construction and it's, it's a six, seven month build cycle. What's nice is you know what your income is six or seven months down the road. So what's nice is that you can start building your portfolio and, and you know, and it, it's kind of nice to know that that is coming in the future, you know, for you budgeting. Know, and I think the else. other thing is a lot of people get into this business because they think they're going to go out and make money in it, not from selling, but by making money off of real estate, whether it's buying mm-hmm. it and renting it and or, you know, doing flips and stuff like that. But I think if people are thinking that to go into the real estate industry to be able to do that, I would not get my license mm-hmm. at that point um, because we have a lot of ethical things that we have to stand by. So if I'm going out to try to buy a house, I have to basically tell that person, hey, I'm going to try to steal this from you and make money from you. You know, right. if you're not licensed, you don't have to, you know, you don't well, have to. Well, you bring that. up the interesting argument. I've been having several times this week with people that are, there's some new industry uh, people coming into the business where they're, they're licensed in the state of Minnesota, but they're not actually uh, members of the National Association of Realty. So they're not realtors and they're not following the, uh, what we call the code of ethics which is what Chris is talking about there. The code of ethics is something that we follow where we vow to take care of our customers. We have fiduciary responsibilities. And sometimes those that are licensed in real estate don't, they may be nice people, but they're not necessarily committed to the same vow of ethics or the the ethics that we are, code of ethics. And so that's to take care of the customer first, tell them what their house is really worth first um, and take care of them first before ourselves. And so it's- How do you you know if uh, a person is one or the other? Ask. And they'll tell you. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of companies that are out there right now that they position themselves. This is an interesting argument to be had with the state. Um, They position themselves as being real estate companies when they're not. They're actually contractors that are wearing the coat or the hood of a real estate agent. We'll come out and make you an offer. We'll give you a guaranteed offer. We'll do the – and there's a lot of gray area there right now that I don't think is being addressed. And until somebody complains about it or feels like they've been taken – Nobody will do anything. So it's, you know, anyway, back we've to been, business. Yeah, we've been gathering information on that, and we're going to have a show on that too. Oh, Absolutely. Good. Just to make sure that, you know, it, it all gets out there. So, um, you know, Travis Whitford is here with uh, Mr. Bay Equity. And uh, how about you for people getting into that in the mortgage industry? Are we getting lighter there or are pe- people starting to come in? And how long does it take for a person to get ramped up in that? As far as, you know, getting really accustomed to – you know, getting good at loans, same as real estate, you know, I say about two years or so. Um, A lot of times mortgage companies, they don't necessarily have quite the time to give the the training needs that are needed for somebody that's brand new into the industry. So a lot of times uh, uh, new loan officers get their start at banks where they can get a better feel for the whole overall banking process and and have might, might have a little bit more assistance with the process but you know this day and age like we're not I'm personally not seeing a ton of new blood um the new blood is coming from 
banks, loan officers that work at banks and want a better opportunity. Or, or just like in real estate, I see a lot of the loan officers joining teams and then they're working as teams. There's one you know, person that will take all the applications and then they're assigning the files to the individual agents, um, the loan and, officers. Yes, and that is like arguably the best way to get a, a new loan officer and come in, on a, on a, on a, come in and team up with a good loan officer that has a lot of business and just help out and learn slowly because it, it's an ever-changing industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, what what's rules today is not rules tomorrow. And, you know, to be able to have that guidance there and that mentor is, is huge. For sure. But does a loan officer get paid based on a, a commission or do they get, I mean, are they getting a salary or kind of yeah, Travis, accommodation? <laughs> there's no exactly there's what you get paid. I mean, typically you get paid a percentage of the loan amount. There's no such thing as variable compensation in the mortgage world mm-hmm. here these days. You know, so whatever your loan size is, you're set up on a comp plan where you get a percentage of that loan. Now, sometimes people will have a, a salary as they're coming up, a smaller salary for a little bit and, and a smaller a smaller commission plan. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to do that. But essentially, like variable comp where, you know, I can make either this or this on the same loan size, it, 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 it doesn't work that way anymore. That was a lot of the changes with the whole Frank Dodd stuff after the, the mortgage meltdown. Yeah. And I, but I think it's important that people do know how we get paid and how much you get paid and, and, and what you do to do that. Because truly, I mean, you're, you, I mean, not only do you take in the, um, you know, the experience of that agent, you know, mm-hmm. that's been doing it for a while. Um, you know, there's a lot of time that you're actually doing it and everyone thinks, oh boy, you got paid that big dollar amount, um, based on just, you know, selling that one house, but it doesn't, it doesn't sell and close on the same day and we get paid. You know, and then typically you have other people you got to pay and your brokerage gets paid. So it's, it's split up in a lot of different and ways. And marketing dollars and everything else. I think that's the part that a lot of times people get confused on is they don't understand how to shop real estate agents or loan officers because they think that there's – you can get gouged with a discount, you know, listing agent. You can get gouged with a discount, you know, uh, loan officer. And it comes down to what value are you getting for what they're providing totally. you. And and sometimes the equation is better to go with the experience with the more, you know, the robust marketing plan, for an example, may cost you a few more dollars. But if your bottom line is higher, I think that's the ultimate goal of most sellers is to get the highest bottom line possible for themselves. Danny, we're going to talk a little Wisconsin real estate today. Travis Kallstrom right. with Remax Advantage Plus is going to be on. Mm-hmm. Nick Rooney's on the text messages again. And right. uh, Travis Whitford, Bay Equity, is going to be here and talking some credit scores as well. And as usual, we welcome your uh, not only text messages, but phone calls to 651 Nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero seven. And good morning. Welcome back to our real estate show. Around every Saturday here in the ten o'clock hour, it's five above zero. Chris and Andy uh, in studio, along with a couple of Travises. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Well, Travis Kallstrom is one of those uh, Travises. He also um, not only is he licensed in Minnesota, but he's also yeah. licensed in Wisconsin. We want to kind of uh, you know Wisconsin actually. It's I mean obviously it's real close. And mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of on that, that east end are kind of switching over and, and flopping over the river. A lot of those Packer fans should stay over there. That's, That's just right. my Build my the opinion. wall, right? My no, wait. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't wait, say that. Wrong, wrong argument. Yeah, don't say that. Yeah. Um, so now you lost me. The track. fun is on the other side of the wall. Is it? Remember? I got a feeling yeah, you, grew you, up in you bring Wisconsin. a whole new version of showing cabins to the, the your customers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's been a time or two that it's been done on a pontoon and on a snowmobile. And, uh, yeah, it, you got to show them the, how to live the dream. 
I talk a lot about lifestyle living. And I mean, I think Wisconsin, that's a that's a big thing out there. And and the, the cool thing is it's just it's just not that far from the Twin Cities. I mean, even for a cabin, I'm I'm actually uh with uh one of Andy's agents, uh, Nathaniel Pettis, mm-hmm. doing a, a co-marketing. We're kind of marketing from Minnesota mm-hmm. because, I mean, obviously, if you're just a bo- around the border, Prescott. Um, but it's a, a, amazing. I mean, it's a log cabin, sits on three acres, overlooks the old big river valley. I mean, a log home, hmm. you know, and in the 600s. You missed the I mean, footage. No. Four, you want to know? <laughs> four, uh, let me see. About 4,000 some? Yeah. But uh, oh, we'll talk more about it because it's I'm sure we cool. will. But uh you, you know, it is close, but you get um, a lot more land for the money as well. That's correct, yeah. You know, that's a lot of the, the our clientele that they want to live on the east side for whatever reason, you know, that maybe they work at 3M. Um, they could be Wisconsin-based originally. You know, I'm from the western western side of Wisconsin, and, and a lot of times people don't want to cross, you know, cross the river, and, and they just find more value in, in like Hudson or – or uh, Prescott, or any of those kind of river river towns. So um, you know, I think it. I think it is just that. You know, it, it's that your roots are there, so you like to kind of keep keep it over there, and you're willing to make that that commute in. Hmm. What would you say the advantages are from uh, living on our east side versus mm-hmm. going into Wisconsin, Hudson, Prescott, those areas? What would you say tell a buyer if you're looking and they're saying, "Hey, why why wouldn't we just go live on the Wisconsin side?" Uh, some of the benefits of uh, of of Minnesota is, you know, the property taxes tend to be a little, quite a bit lower um, in, you know, Woodbury versus Hudson. So sometimes the uh, the the price of the home uh, could be offset by the the tax base being higher. So um, even though you're paying a little bit more for your your property in in Woodbury because the land being more expensive, um, uh, you're not, you know, when you look at the way that the monthly payment shakes out, it ends up being a kind of a lateral. Although it's more, again, kind of back to that lifestyle, you're not going to get that log home or that you know two, three acre larger home site in uh, for three hundred, three hundred twenty five thousand um, dollars in Woodbury. The land just isn't isn't available. So um, that's that really is what uh, drives the market. You know, they they want uh, to spread out a little bit, and you know the school systems are. In, in Hudson are are fantastic, you know. Like people that like myself, growing up in uh, good old Ellsworth, Wisconsin, the the <laughs> cheese curd capital. Um, you know, we uh, the, the people want those smaller schools, and and because that's where they're from. So yet they want the modern conveniences and, and of whatever Target, right? You know, in, in the cities, and their jobs are here. So. Cool. Yeah, that cheese is good in Ellsworth. It's unbelievable. Uh, we had a wedding facility um, <laughs> listed at one time in there. They ended up just selling off a bunch of the land. But what I mean, just such neat. And I'll tell you what, I've always wanted a red barn. Oh, I want a red barn. There's a lot of red one. barns out there. I can sell you yeah, one. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I think, I'll just sell you the wood. Yeah, actually, I think too. I mean, I looked at the <laughs> <laughs> and the cheese curds. <laughs> hey, that wood's expensive too. Oh, that barn wood. I mean, that's pretty big Absolutely. deal these days. It's a huge thing. Um, <laughs> so, but anyways, <laughs> I also look at it too. Is that really uh, just across the river and stuff like that? I mean, because what it it looks like cabin. I mean, you got the rivers down there. I mean, it's you could literally have a cabin, second home type thing, um, just across the river. I mean, what are we? Thirty five, fifty minutes from the from the airport. 
You know, yeah. I don't know about Ellsworth. Ellsworth. What about, let's talk about cabins because I think I always think of Wisconsin for the the recreational fun stuff too. And I mean, let's talk. I mean, what what is the you would say your average cabin? Describe it to us and give us a little insight on what you think the average price would be to start at to get into the that kind of a market. Well, that's a really interesting conversation because um, you know people tend to have their you know the quintessential cabin. Uh, the cabin that, you know, the chalet, you know, the, the water skiing, full recreational lake. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll call me up and, hey, Travis, I know you guys have a, have a cabin and blah, 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 and we'd like to spare. And, and, and uh, then, you know, they get all excited about it. And, and they're like, oh, I want to buy a cabin. Well, the first thing that I do is kind of assess the full situation and, and think to myself, all right, you live in a $500,000 house. Well, the equation typically is, well, I want to spend two fifty on my second house. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the equation that that works. If you live in a five hundred thousand dollar house, you're looking for a five hundred thousand dollar cabin because you want the uh, you want the full recreation. You want to be able to hunt. You want to be able to fish. You want to be able to um, host plenty of people. And and uh, unfortunately, you know, half the price of the home that you currently live in, you're not going to be satisfied because it's going to have you know, you got to look at the water quality. Mm-hmm. You got to look at the um, the size of the lake. You know, you got to look at um, uh, what the, you can do on that lake. What you can do on the lake is motorized it, boats. Or yeah, not? do you want to swim? Do you want what, like what do you want to do with the lake? Is it is it a shallow lake? Is it a spring fed lake? You know, you got to look at all all of the the big picture on it. And and the bottom line is is it, it's all about the lake shore. Uh, just like, you know, it, it, it's, it is around here. It is around mm-hmm. here. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you're going to pay a premium price. So, you know, buying the cabin, it's not about the cabin. It's about the the lake um, always. And then uh, the best deals are really teardowns or something that you can convert from a three-season cabin to a, a four-season cabin. Those older cabins are on the prime prime lakeshore. And so yeah. what do you, I mean, just to put you on the spot again, yeah. what do you, what do you have? Throw out there for an allowance for something like that. I mean, is, are, is and on that recreational lake with a couple of restaurants you can go to, float to, nice water, nice lake shore. I mean, the, the lot start at uh, two hundred thousand. Okay, uh, I would say if you're within two hours of the Twin Cities, and that's what you know, kind of the magic number is that people want to be two hours to Minneapolis, and they um, they you know want that full recreation, blah blah blah. Okay. I would say, and it's measured. Uh, uh, on linear foot, so you're you know you're a hundred foot wide lot, two thousand. The mm-hmm. more premium lakes, three thousand a foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's it's very uncommon to find a lot a con, uh, conforming lot under. Wow, we're gonna talk some credit next. I will do that. And then text after break. that. Yeah, text and call us if you have a real estate type of question for sure. And good morning. Welcome back to the real estate show here on CSU. You have a question? Call it in or text it in six five one. 989-9226, text is 81807. Chris and Andy, for those uh, joining us a little bit late, who did you bring with you today? Travis Whitford, Bay Equity, Travis Callstrom, Remax Advantage Plus, Nick Rooney, who's got a nice suit on. He looks better than all of us, you guys. And Mr. Andy Kraske <laughs> over there. Thank you. All right, text question. Chris. You have a text there, Nick? Yeah, we're getting a lot of good uh, text messages. Here's one. Can you tell a client why their offer was not accepted when buying a house other than just saying they took another offer? Okay. First of all, I think uh, if you if it's your client you, and you know something, you've got to tell your client. You mm-hmm. know, but I think th- I think what they're trying to say is that 
can if we made an offer, so if me and my client made an offer, and that can that agent tell us, hey, we just accepted another offer, or can they tell us more? Well, yeah, I mean, especially when you're in multiples as a listing agent, you don't want to divulge what terms you're working with because what'll happen is it'll get used against you, or you're going to have this, which is interesting because we talked about this in Wisconsin. You can negotiate with multiple offers at the same time versus in Minnesota. We usually choose to work with one offer at a time and then exhaust that offer, then go to the next offer. But in, in Wisconsin, it's we can work with multiples at one time, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, what I think is interesting too, Andy, is on that, is that you don't ever want to yeah. tell someone later because that deal can always fall through. You know, right. So you always, I mean, if I'm representing my client, I want to keep everything close to my chest on that, not just say something to try to make someone feel better. Well, well let me ask you this. I mean, most people say, hey, highest and best is due today. That's a total psychology move. You assume that everybody high and best means that everybody's above asking price. Everybody's, and I've had highest and best on bank home properties I've listed where they're all under list price. So it's it's a lot of it's positioning, right? Same thing is, is that, hey, we're going to work with this other offer, assuming that they paid more money. So when they come back and say, hey, the other offer fell through, we'd like to work with you guys. You assume that you have to come in higher again because that, you know, or whatever. So it, again, it's, it's playing poker. So what I always say to people is, do your homework, make sure that you understand what you're buying, and then write your offer for what you really think it's worth and stick to it. Mr. Whitford uh, is in here to talk about uh, the importance of a credit score, first of all. I mean, obviously very important based on what your credit is. Travis Callstrom was talking about you know, taxes um, being higher over in Wisconsin, and maybe the prices are smaller. But, I mean, taxes are one factor in that, that payment being higher, but... If a bad credit score, that's going to be a big factor too. Well, yeah. I mean, the two most important pieces of the pie for mortgages is credit and credit and income. And credit is essentially your gateway. You know, if you don't have the necessary credit score, you're not going to get a loan no matter what your income is. You know, but on the flip side, you know, you, you, you can't have the greatest credit score and just think you can do everything if you can't afford it and stuff like that. So... Hmm. So um, and also, uh, you know, credit obviously um, determines the how good of an interest rate that you get too. I mean, uh, top of the food chain, credit uh, scores will get the best interest rates, and cool. if you're not there, there's going to be price adjustments that uh, factor your interest rate. In your worst. professional opinion, what is a good credit score nowadays? In the mortgage world, yes. anytime you're over seven forty, you get the best mortgage rates. Um, and then mortgage insurance, if you put in less than 20% down in the conventional market, um, that credit score also determines that. And to get the best mortgage insurance rates, mm-hmm. you want to be a 760. So anytime you're mid 700s or above is, is... So what's the lowest credit score you can have and still be eligible to buy a home? Conventional, minimum credit score is 620. FHA, nice. we go down to 580. Now, I think there's some other lenders out there. I don't know how much locally will we'll do less than 580 credit scores for like FHA loans, but I believe with the five sub 580 credit score, it's a 10 percent down. And sure, most of the time, well, rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, with that score, you you probably it, it's a, a risk reward thing, right? So yeah, I mean, to get to that type of score, let's just talk about that. To get to a 580 credit score, what, what what have you done? You just got too much credit or you're missing payments? No, it's typically late payments, multiple late payments, high revolving balances on your credit cards. You know, maybe you got collections, charge-offs, repossessions, old foreclosures or short sales. I mean, you, you name it, you know. And sometimes, you know, maybe if you have very limited credit history, 
just one or two lates can really damage your score versus somebody that has a great length of credit history and they have an isolated late or two, it might not affect the score hardly at all. So say I'm a listener and I, I shock when I have a lower score than I thought I had. What what can I do? What are some key things that I can do to my credit by myself without spending a lot of money with, you know, a credit rehab person or something like that that I could do to get that credit score up? Yeah, the biggest quick fix for any sort of uh, quick credit improvement is attacking your revolving debt. So Meaning, um, meaning, so all your credit cards. A lot of times, people have low credit limits, and that credit card is like almost maxed out. So the whole credit scoring algorithms looks at the percentage of balance old in relationship to that limit. So the number one thing to get quick boost to credit scores is to get your revolving balances paid down. And there's the whole fifty, thirty, ten percent rule. Mm-hmm. You know, ideally, you kind of want to carry a revolving balance of about ten percent of your limit. Next best is 30% of the limit, third best 50% of the limit. So when you start getting over 50% of the limit, there's a downward spiral. So if I'm hearing you right, just get my credit rate or my uh, allowance or balances raised so that I yeah. have more credit <laughs> right. and then I look better. And that's another thing too. Yeah. You can you can always request, you know, to have credit Higher increases, credit you know, but that's the number one thing. Um, a lot of times people too think uh, – you know, I, I want to get these, you know, I got an old collection or charge off. I want to get these taken care of. You know, typically we don't really care too much about collections and charge offs. I mean, the damage has already been done at the score. Um, a lot of times when you, you have this old collection out there and now you want to pay it off, you know, it might actually have an immediate negative impact on your credit score because once you pay it off and it re-reports that it paid off, it kind of brings that collection account a little more recent mm. and, it, and it, it'll factor in and, you know, and, and, and charge off. I mean, lenders already charged off that debt, you know. So now there, there can be instances where you might be required to pay some of that stuff off for closing, but not typically to get approved, you know, do you, or to get like pre-qualified, do you, you know, do you want to necessarily make sure you take care of that beforehand? There's a, a text that kind of is with that, and it's talked about FICO scores that you find, like on your Discover card. Yeah, are those real? Is could I could I rely on that to be able to know that I'm going to be able to get a good mortgage? Not for a mortgage, no. It's like you got to beware of what's quote unquote the fake credit scores. So you know, a lot of these credit monitoring services, there's the, they're kind of going off a different algorithm, credit scoring algorithm. Mortgages use the true FICO algorithm, which is it chooses the all three credit bureaus and we use the middle credit score of the two. So, like, you know, Credit Karma is kind of the big thing out there. And I've seen that thing be off by as much as 100 points in, in any direction. You know, it, 100 it, points? Yeah, in both directions. But it's directions. free, Travis. It's, it's free, you know. And <laughs> you get what you pay somebody yeah. likes you do on Facebook. You know, there's, okay. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, essentially – you know, there's there's different algorithms, and you know, it, it's not real. All right, we're going to come back with some text questions. All right, we're going to talk maybe a little VRBO thing mm. in Wisconsin. How to get that cabin? Cool. We'll do that. If you want to call in your question, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six, or send us a text eight one eight zero seven five above zero here in the Twin Cities. Back with more of our real estate show here on CCO. If you have a question, call it in or text it in. Uh, if you're just joining us, Chris and Andy in here. Where do we go from here, guys? Yeah. Another question, what is a lien on someone's house? A lien, okay. There, there could be a lot of things, but it's anything that's attached to that home that is a debt that would have to be paid off at closing. Or judgment anything or any add, other incumbents. Yeah, judge. Can, I mean, a loan mortgage, is a lien. Home a mortgage. Mechanics. Home mechanics. Home mechanics. Home mechanics. Yep, Anybody that worked of, on the house that didn't get paid. Stuff. 
Next. A uh, weekly listener asked this last week, so uh, he asked it again this week so we get to it. <laughs> we have four beds up, but bath for three beds, bedrooms only has one sink. Should we put in two sinks? Is it worth it? And it's a 1980s golden oak home. <laughs> I like Ooh. how they describe that. We've seen many of those. So if I understood the question, they want to know in the bathroom they're remodeling with one bathroom up? Yep. They want to know, should we do a double vanity? I think there's three bedrooms that share one bathroom. Should they do a double vanity? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. And that would also put I up agree. a wall, a divider wall between the toilets and the, the shower and the vanity so that you can actually have multi-people using it at the same time. Then it's add a, a four-season porch Almost like a Jack it. and Jill or whatever you want to call it. Yep. No, I'm kidding. And a what? <laughs> add a four-season porch onto that. And a water bathroom. slide. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Hey, Travis Callstrom, Rebax Advantage Plus, um, he's dual licensed, Wisconsin and uh, Minnesota. You got a little trick for your um, clients that you get. It, it works for you. What is it? How to be able to get that cabin and maybe not have to cost so much? That's right. Yeah, I got a couple of uh, well kept secrets. Um, first of all, if you already own your own property, uh, investment property or, or lake home, it's you may as well leverage that asset. Um, and and for for me, you know, working um, in real estate, I. Uh, work a lot during the week and the evenings and you or just like anybody else you uh you spend monday through friday at home and you use your cabin only on the weekends so a while back i thought you know i see this airbnb i see this vrbo and i didn't know what it was all about so i went on and i thought you know i'm i'm really curious will people rent sunday through friday and uh shockingly um i put it out there took some real estate professional photography, and uh, you'd be surprised at how many people take week-long vacations, and they don't necessarily care that it's Saturday and Sunday, which is when I'm using it. So when I leave, which I leave it a mess because I might have had a couple of brewskis on the pontoon and not really feel like cleaning it before I leave, and we just have our cleaners come in. They change the beds. We leave at noon. The new people check in at 3 and we're taking in fifteen to two thousand dollars between uh, Sunday night and Friday morning. We show up. Guess what? It's clean. Uh, and all I got to do is put gas in the boat. So you're saying? I mean, you're making anywhere from a five to six thousand a month. So the payment's See, basically being made by somebody else, and you're getting enough. to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, more than enough. It's also paying for all the toys, and you get to still enjoy it when you want to use it. We are. In fact, we bought a second uh, property because of this. Mm. So, um, and uh, when when you're willing to also give up the weekends, and and you know, if if you're a planner or you got kids in in hockey or sports or whatever, baseball is a big one in the summer. Clearly, um, you already kind of know your weekends that you're not going to be up there. So if you can plan out the your blocks of time, uh, you can definitely uh, cash flow these properties. Tra- Travis Whitford, how can I use that for qualifying? Uh, depends. Yeah, it depends on if you have history of uh, rental. So Travis's experience, no, the other Travis's experience doing actually, it. he could. He, you could use it on an existing property, and you're right off that, or you're you're claiming that income. But on a new buy investment property, and you say you're gonna use VBRO or, or VRBO or Airbnb income. You can't because there's not enough history. The only type of rental income that you can use on an investment property at the time you buy it is, um, um, is uh, sign, you have to sign lease. No, more in in, in, in a way, too, leases. it's better to be able to qualify that. You know that you're going to be able to afford it and then supplement it with your VRBO income. Is the bank appraised value generally the most you'll be able to sell a home or property for? 
What do you think, Andy? I say no. No. I've seen it where, you know, when you have cash buyers, it's worth what the buyer's willing to pay. And if they're paying cash, it the bank's opinion doesn't matter in that situation. In the end, I mean, it is what a seller's willing to accept and what a buyer's willing to pay. And the appraisal is to justify what that is for the bank. Yeah. I mean, if you have like a, a borrower with limited down payment funds, I mean, right. it's, it's, it's going to affect the potential to buy that house. But, you know, if you got extra funds to support the difference. Or yeah, but cash. that's why when you're a listing agent, when you actually go into a house where you're concerned about hitting the peak of the market, like you might be the fanciest house on the street. You know that that's coming. So when an offer comes in with 2%, 3%, whatever down, you may pass on that offer knowing that you're going to have a struggle versus the buyer that comes in and says, hey, we're 30% down. The bank's happy with their 20 and 10% goes towards the seller for over the appraised value and everybody's happy. Yeah, so then a lot of times maybe that uh, low down payment might be the highest offer. And like you know, Chris and you have always said, the highest offer isn't necessarily the best, the best. offer. The best yeah. offer is one that closes. You know, I wanted to go back to that 80s golden oak home too. And uh, and talk about well no but I mean I think there's a simple little thing that we've had people do that makes a huge difference so even if you didn't do that double sink at that mm-hmm. point that golden oak paint that vanity and get some new um, you know rather yeah, than if you want to do it all but then they'll look at that uh, bathroom as that it's more updated and it'll look bigger. And maybe they'll kind of overlook that. Thing. We've even had people do the newer doors where they'll get the six panel or the, you know, the five panel, even some of those cool five panel doors. And they'll do that with a different species of wood. And then they enamel all the, the golden oak to white, which is kind of what the builders are doing. Put some, you know, solid surface countertops down. And then all of a sudden, boom, you have a beautiful, very relevant style wise home to sell. That's very true. I mean, we, we run into that a lot. And I'm telling you. Typically, your 80s golden oak home is also sitting on a real nice mature lot, mm-hmm. which people want. But they, what they do, they start doing is saying, gosh, but I could build over there with zero trees on it, but look at this. So if you can give them a little of that, then they start justifying it. And going well, and I've even had some of those properties where they, you overlook the oak because, for the example, that they, the way they've decorated the home makes it work, right? Versus the vacant home that's sitting there and it's exposed and it actually, then they notice those things more prevalently than if it's a, you know, staged home that actually makes it work for the house. Got a couple comments here. I've trained three new appraisers over the last four years, and none of them are still in the career. I think that happens. Sometimes wow. people get their appraisal, appraisers get stuck in and where they're doing them for really inexpensive. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah, and I'm not sure the rules either, um, but there's a lot of hours like new appraisers have to log before they get the certification, and, and a lot of the appraisers don't necessarily want to take somebody under their wing to – Give them those hours to get their certification. Hmm. But what are you? What are you pointing at me for? I was holding up the one finger. Oh, that one minute left. It says, "I love you." Yeah. Brother. Do you want to make a mention because we did talk about the Wisconsin stuff that that log cabin that I was talking about? Yeah. In Aspen Creek, it, there is an open house today. Nathaniel Pettis, Remax Advantage Plus, will be out there. Uh, it's from twelve to three. So just go a little east on Highway Ten. Take it right on ten ninetieth. And you're going to see something pretty cool. Guys, why don't you give us quick uh, how people can find you or if they want to get on that cabin list where you have to go quick. Got to go quick. Uh, Yeah, my website is travisandandlaura.com. Nice. Travismnloans.com. But I do service Wisconsin too, so. Yeah, you do loans in Wisconsin as well. Prasky.com for me and what's yours? What is mine? (laughs) Peanutbutterandjelly.com. Donuts. No, (laughs) chrisfruity.com. Okay. Are we going to do this again next week if they let us? Not yeah, with well, you. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks all for joining us today.